shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and that and understanding that that not only is that a, a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back to listeners to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today's guest on the podcast is Bob Berg. Now, Bob is the first person that I've had as a guest on my podcast that's been recommended by at least two previous podcast guests. Now, Bob's going to share some really interesting information. We had a great conversation and I was about to say that what he's sharing is common sense, but you know that just wouldn't do our conversation justice because if uh, what we talked about on the podcast today was common sense and more more people would be doing it. So we're going to talk about recession-proofing your business by creating a steady stream of high-quality prospects and leads. And uh, just a little bit about Bob and, and Bob's background. Uh, he's a sought-after speaker. He's a, on company leadership and sales conferences. He is a former television uh, personality and top producing salesperson. And Bob has shared the platform with some of today's top business leaders, business uh, broadcast personalities, coaches, athletes, and political leaders, including a former U.S. president. In addition to co-authoring the best-selling Go-Giver books with John David Mann, Bob has authored a number of popular books, including the critically acclaimed Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales and adversaries into allies. His total book sales were well over 1 million copies. The American Management Association named Bob one of the most 30 influential leaders, and he's one of uh, Inc. Magazine's 100 great leadership speakers. Bob is an advocate and supporter and defender of the free enterprise system, and he believes that the amount of money that you and I make is in direct proportion to how many people we serve. He's an unapologetic animal fanatic and he serves on the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. So I'd like to welcome Bob Berg to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today, Bob. I'm super excited to have you on the show and to let you share your wisdom, expertise and your superpower with our listeners. Thank you so much. So great to be with you. So you're a pretty busy, pretty impressive guy traveling a fair bit and speaking and author of several books. And I guess uh, one of the questions that came to mind in looking at your your website and all your branding and everything that you do was where did you come up with the name Go-Giver? I mean, obviously, it's got some meaning, deep meaning for you because everything's branded in that fashion. Sure. Well, years and years ago, back in the, uh, I think, early 90s, is when I came out with my first book, which was called Endless Referrals. And the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. So it was about business networking back in the day before everyone was writing about business networking. Back then, <laughs> there were just a few of us. Yeah. 
And, and the idea was really to teach salespeople and entrepreneurs who, who knew they had a great product or service. They were proud of what they did. They understood the, the value it brought to others, but they just were not comfortable or knowledgeable about the process of going out and creating relationships that would lead to direct business with people and with referral business. So that was a, you know, that was a how to book and it, you know, it's done well. It's, it's now in three revised editions and so forth, but throughout the years, I'd always read parables and always enjoyed them and loved how a short story based on, on universal laws and principles could really connect on a on a really a heart to heart level and you'd come away feeling good and have actionable items and so forth. So I I began to think and this was back in the early 2000s I began to think wouldn't it be great if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals which was that all things being equal people will do business with and refer business to those people they know like and trust yeah. which had been the major theme i'd been teaching for years and years that's sort of what i was associated with and and so forth and take that and put that into a parable so the first thing i did really in thinking of the title was what's the the essence of those people who are able to create those no like and trust relationships quickly, effectively, and sustainably? And the answer was they're always giving. They're giving value to others. Their focus is always on how they can bring value or give value to others. So we came up with the name The Go-Giver and with the basic premise of the story, and really all the stories in the series being that shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and that and understanding that that not only is that a, a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. That's funny. I mean, I'm smiling as you're saying that because I'm just looking at the endless number of posts. Like you said, now it's the thing to do uh, where people are saying, you know, you look at guys like Gary Vee say, you know, give, 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 give. And I just want, uh, read an article from a buddy of mine who's a LinkedIn guy last night talking about, you know, how to do business in LinkedIn. And I, I shared a note with him. I said, yeah, I just wrote a post on that exact topic. Like, don't don't connect with me. And then five minutes later, say, hey, do you want to buy my stuff? Wow. They wait five minutes to uh, with you. Well, okay. I was I was trying to be a little you, bit polite. Usually, I <laughs> someone connects with me, and I I write away within a within about a minute. <laughs> so no, not not always. Uh, they don't always wait uh, five minutes. Uh, often they just blast away immediately with, "Hey, good to connect with you." Don't put in your name, and then uh, throw push an offer to you. So with the idea of giving and giving consistently, could you give our listeners an idea of what that might look like? I mean, we're not talking about writing checks to people or, or doing crazy things, but uh, you know, what does that mean to you and, and what have you found has been effective for you? I mean, obviously you've had great success in your business. So um, you know, how have you applied that? Well, giving simply means, again, providing value to others in a way that others find it to be of value. And there are, there are a couple of distinctions that I, I think we've got to know when it, when it comes to this. One is understanding the difference between price and value, which is too often confused. <laughs> yeah. You know, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value can be defined as the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this 
product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to someone or value to someone that they will willingly exchange uh, in the business sense. It would be their money for that and feel and, and be uh, grateful for doing so, feeling great about it while you make a, a, a very nice profit. Of course, there's before that happens, there's also giving of value in a way that the other person would find to be a value. So it, it might be through connections. It might be through information or help in some other way. It might be through you know a, a number of things. But the other th- part of that I want to mention is that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. So it's and I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they begin to they attempt to build a relationship with someone through bringing value or giving value to them and they wonder why they're they're not successful in doing so and often what they're doing is they're taking what they find to be of value and giving that or providing that or communicating that when that other person may not value it at all. So we've always got to understand that as human beings, we see the world in a certain way, through a certain lens, through a paradigm or a model, whatever you want to call it. And as human beings, we tend to think that other people see the world the same way we do. And it's just not true. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because lots of times, you know, I'll have conversations with people, you know, just yesterday I had a conversation with somebody I had on my podcast who's a health and wellness guy and he had some questions, but it was about another business that he was going to start up. So you're right. I mean, you, you know, I spent a half an hour, shared some ideas with him to help him get the process started. And that just, uh, you know, added value to him because it answered some questions, deepened our relationship, you know, and it's not something that I would likely do any, you know, consulting work with him in the future on that. However, it did help him along his journey. So I think sometimes we forget that as we're helping people and giving value to, you know, if I'm giving value to you, you and I might not do business, but you may appreciate what I've done and refer me. Sure. To somebody else, I, I'm I'm guessing, or maybe I'm I'm speculating. Maybe that's what you're talking about in terms of referrals that it comes from just going beyond the person that you're immediately doing business with. Uh, well, sure. I mean, that's one aspect of it. Absolutely. A lot of times, referrals, though, in, in the referral process, is when you're doing business with someone, and after they have agreed to purchase from you, or they've had some experience realizing the benefits of your product or service, it's proactively asking for referrals in a way that is effective as opposed to asking and then hearing them say, well, I can't think of anybody right now, but when I do, I'll let you know. And we all know how that tends to, <laughs> yeah, to work. We do. So I want to ask maybe it was a bit of an odd question because, you know, I, I have conversations like this around clients all the day, all the time as we're creating content and, and trying to, you know, start a relationship with people. So the question that I want to ask that probably some of my audience is thinking, okay, so after I've given somebody some value, at what point is it okay to, to start a business conversation and talk about my product or service. So I think what you what you've got to always go back to is the know, like and trust and ask yourself if that has been established, because if the, the chances are if they know, well, they they already know you if they don't like you and trust you. Trust being both in terms of Stephen M. R. Covey, who wrote the great book, The Speed of Trust, would say trust both in terms of competence and character. If the like and the trust isn't there, it doesn't matter how much you you know feel you've given them or not. It's probably not going to happen. 
But if the if the like and trust is there, then sure, at any time you can discuss business with them. Well, I think it's interesting that you you know kind of framed it that way because I think back you know like I've I've read Stephen Covey's book in terms of the speed of the transaction and how fast the transaction can go if there is the the no like and trust. And then I re- remember reading um, Harvey McKay's book, How to Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. Oh, that and, was a great book too. Yeah, yeah. and the McKay sixty six. Right. And that, that kind was of a big yeah. Yeah, that kind of frames the the point that you can't know, like, and trust somebody in five minutes. So, and, and of course, a lot, again, it depends on the context of, of what kind of business you're doing and where you are. Let's take McKay's example. He was an envelope manufacturer, right? They basically, they sold envelopes. Yeah. And this is a, a about as much of a commodity as you can possibly have an envelope, right? Yeah. I think Harvey in his, in his book, said something like, uh, you know, in the fascinating world of envelope manufacturing, there's not a whole lot that one envelope manufacturer can do that every other one can't do as well. So you would think his salespeople were constantly trying to sell on low price. I mean, what else could they do? How could they distinguish themselves? It had to be low price. And yet that's not the case. As Harvey talked about in his book, no, they outsold the competition and they did it at at high price, at good prices, good yep. uh, profitable. They, they made margin, uh, yeah, for sure. Exactly. How did they do it? Well, his McKay sixty six, which you brought up, and of course, this was long before the the day of the internet, where you could find out people for uh, information on people by doing a a uh, simple search. He had a binder with sixty six que- not questions, but bits of information about people and and the 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 salespeople were sort of charged with with filling in as many of those blanks of information that they could but it had nothing to do with envelopes or even the prospects company right yeah. it was about the 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 spouse's name uh, the the kids names uh where where this prospect went to school or or of what college were they an alumni alumnus of were their hobbies where do the family go like to go on vacation what are you know every what are their charities you know everything about that person that had nothing to do with the business. Well, they may not have filled in all 66 blanks by the time they were ready to to have the sales conversation, but they certainly knew a lot more about that person. But here's the thing, here's the thing. This other person knew that they cared and they weren't buying an envelope. They were buying something from a friend. Yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. And, and, you know, so even now when we can go online and get all the information about someone in advance, it's never about that. And the McKay 66 wasn't about the information. It was about paying attention to that other person as a person. And attention is one of what we call the five elements of value within the law of value of the go-giver. And so, so that is so important. It's so key. So, you know, I would focus on bringing value to this other person, but not thinking of it like, okay, how much value do I have to bring before I can now, you know, talk about doing business? Yeah. That will happen. That's important because doing business is important. That's ultimately what we're going to look to do, provide value to this person through our product or service. But rather than looking at it that way, I would just focus on building that relationship through the value you're bringing the other person. And as you then feel the no like, and trust is there, now it's totally apropos appropriate to to bring up business 
Right. And, you know, that's right. And in some cases it may not be. I mean, there's lots of people that I, that I've met and connected with that we, you know, we'll probably never do business with. However, that doesn't mean that they're not a valuable person. We don't still keep them in our contact, um, our sphere of contacts and have conversations with them. We don't write them off because they can't write a check. Exactly. And, you know, to your point about the information, I mean, while the information is readily available for listeners, if you're thinking, hey, I can go get all this information online, the reality is, you know, my LinkedIn val- my LinkedIn connections have kind of blown up, but people still won't even uh, look at the industry. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, I'm a really good, I'm really good at helping lawyers market their firms. It's like, did you look at my profile? Do I look like a lawyer? No. Did you put my name in there? No. So the information's there and they still don't use it. So but, to your right, point. But they're not, yeah, but they're not paying attention. No. They're not giving that attention. And so what they do is they're, it's very surface. They're trying to come across as though they're, they're interested, but they're really not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's the, the, there's the authentic, the authentic piece. <laughs> so what are you most excited about these days? What do you, you said that you've got some stuff coming up. Do you want to share a little bit about uh, what's uh, kind of in your near future? Yeah, my business partner, Kathy Tejanel, who is absolutely brilliant, she and I have produced a new uh, online course that within about a month and a half we'll be releasing. It's called Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Way. <laughs> and it's about nine hours of video information and, and so forth that we're very, very excited about. And so, you know, that's a that's a neat thing. And we've got our certified Go-Giver Speakers program and a, a Go-Giver Entrepreneurs Academy. So as you can see, it all kind of relates around the Go-Giver brand, starting with the book, which is the lead, you know, pretty much to to everything. And then, you know, we do we do things in the business that are a lot of fun, both for us, while hopefully adding a, an immense amount of value to to our customers and clients. So in the spirit of the of giving to other people, how have you found uh, you've impacted people and helped them with your Facebook lives? I, I think that with, with both the podcast and the Facebook lives, I think what maybe I bring to the table is wisdom from other people, because I bring people who not everybody has necessarily heard of. It's not always those that are doing the rounds of the podcast and the and in the lives, kind of like me, right? <laughs> these a lot of times these are people who've just accomplished magnificent things, but they're not in the mainstream. You know, they're sure. they're doing their business and 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 so forth. And I get to bring them on and and I ask them questions and it's about them. You know, I never make the podcast or the the lives about me. I'm not there to show off whatever quasi knowledge I think I have. It's uh, it's always about the other person and just connecting the wisdom of those people with my listeners and viewers. Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched a few business businesses use the Facebook Live to grow their connections. And I think it, it's a great tool. I've not made that commitment. It's a commitment. I see that you're on every Thursday at three o'clock Eastern time. So, yeah, we had been. We've taken a hiatus, but we will be back again soon every Thursday again. And, you know, those are those are a lot of fun. You get to really, really have good conversations with a lot of fantastic people. So is there a, a client or a, an example that you'd like to share with our audience of someone that you helped through this process and, and they saw you know, a, a significant shift in their business? Well, you know, the, these just, uh, we hear stories from people who read the book we, and we, we get these emails all the time. And by the way, we appreciate every single one of those. And people often say, you probably get tired of hearing this. No, <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I I remember one person who had a a roofing business 
and the uh, economy in his area was really lousy. And so he started doing what all the all his roofers were were doing, and and that is they were kind of pulling back and and trying to sort of give the least amount of value, right, in, in order to to make as much or a little bit less than they were. And he read the book and said, wait a second, I'm doing this wrong. And so he did a total shift and looked at how he could bring more value, which didn't mean spending more money. Right? That's that's not that's not what you need to do. But how he could really focus on that person and bring as much value to the table as he could above and beyond. Also, in terms of helping people, you know, figure out what the insurance would pay for and what it wouldn't and, and you know, doing all the things that his his competitors were not doing. And his business just went hog wild. I want to say went through the roof, but that would be just such an obvious <laughs> pun. It would, you know. No, that but, was, yeah. that's right in line. That's good. <laughs> well, it's funny because there's some things like you said you can do to add value. My son worked for a company that was in the home service business. And I, you know, I met the owner because this guy just had an incredible heart for serving people. And so they do, you know, window washing inside and out and gutters and roof cleaning and that sort of stuff. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was he would say to them, you know, you're often dealing with older people in their homes. So while you're there, why don't you ask them there's something that they need help with for moving or taking upstairs or downstairs or out to the garage or out to the... Mm -hmm. And so something so small, be, you know, how long exactly. does that take? And yeah. how much of a difference does it make for someone who who can't move that piece of furniture, who can't do whatever? And, you know, is that part of the cleaning the window business? No, yeah. but it's just adding, you know, is there anything else I can help you with or something I can help you move that you, that you can't do on your own? See, those are those little, little things that have such immense leverage. And it's just such a good, just a good way to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, that's wonderful. Great example. So when you're out, because I'm, I'm assuming you still do a little bit of networking and you're out or you're out at events speaking, what's some of the bad advice that you hear? You know, I'm not looking for people. I'm looking for examples. So if there's listeners that are out there that have ha heard some of this bad advice, they know to steer the other way. Well, I mean, I think you still see people when they're, you know, net what they would call networking. And, and you know, of course, networking itself, the, the word, and again, I've been speaking on this topic for so long, and, and, and yet it hasn't really changed in terms of how people generally see that term. Uh, so, you know, you say the word network and people get this look in their eye and you can tell almost, you know, they're thinking, OK, the stereotypical fast walking, slick talking sales guy, right? The one who kind of glad hands and backhands and slaps hands and shakes hands and sticks a business card <laughs> aggressively into people's faces and says, hey, give me a call. I'll cut you a deal. Or if you or somebody don't need to witch me, who's he call me anytime, any place, any day, anyhow. You know, and that's not networking, of course. That is uh, actually, I'm not sure what that is. I was going to say, I don't know what that is. This is bad it, business. It's not networking. You know, I yeah. would define networking simply as the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and take, or really give and receive win-win relationships. The focus being on the giving. So what you see so often is people will introduce themselves to each other and they'll immediately go into their elevator speech and I always find that that is very um, counterproductive or at least at, at best, just nonproductive. Why? Because when someone first meets you, OK, their level of interest in you and your business can be summarized in three words. They don't care. OK, so <laughs> do I say that again? Know. So when you meet yeah, somebody yeah. And, and you're thinking they're super excited to hear about you your, and your service. 
Right. So instead, just listen to them. Okay. Yeah. Now they say, you know, you ask the person what they does, and he says, so I sell copying machines to high end, or I sell high end copying machines to businesses who need to modernize or whatever. Right. Does his thing. So listen attentively, and, and that's fine. When he asks you what you do, just just give a very simple answer, like you know, I'm a realtor with so and so, or I'm an accountant with the local with a local firm, or blah 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 blah. Why? Because again. They don't care right now and they're not listening and you don't have to bother. There's plenty of time. Instead, what I suggest people do is focus on this person. Invest 99.9% of the conversation with that person, asking them questions about themselves and their business. I often say to my audiences when when I speak at sales conferences, have you ever been in a conversation with someone who let you do practically all the talking? Well, didn't you come away from that conversation saying to yourself, wow, what a fascinating conversationalist <laughs> that person is. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you can be the fascinating conversationalist, but ask them about themselves. And that's going to actually attract them to you and want to know more about you much faster than trying to give them that that elevator that, you know, even if even a benefit statement, which is so much nicer than an elevator speech, uh, either one uh, right now, it's going to go right past their minds. They're more thinking about how they're going to sell you their product or service, which is what they shouldn't be trying to do either, but they don't know that. And so, and so, uh, you know, ask the, the, what I call the feel good questions, such as, uh, you know, Dave, how did you get started selling copying machines or how did you get your start as an office products professional? You know, or Mary, what do you enjoy most about what you do? Which, you know, is so much, it sort of flies in the face of of some traditional sales teaching where we're supposed to immediately upon meeting them, reach into their heart and just tear it out. Right. <laughs> so we can go. Come to the rescue with our products. Well, that was only yeah. half this, the, the sales tactic. The other half is make sure that they've got room in their credit card for your service. No, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, we ask a couple of those questions. Then, it, then once we have that kind of rapport st- established, I would suggest asking what I call my one key question that will separate you from everyone else and truly attract that person to wanting to know more about you. And that question is, Gary, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with would be a good prospect for you? Dr. Mary, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with, let's say she's a chiropractor, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with it would be a good prospective patient for you? Or, you know, another way to ask, which has kind of a nice frame to it is, Pat, you know, I always love connecting good people with other good people. How can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good prospective customer for you? However you want to do it. And then if the person's not in sales, you might just say, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is someone you'd like to meet or would be a good connection for you? So when you ask that question, you're actually not only are you, again, showing interest in them, not only are you positioning yourself different from every other salesperson they've ever met who is totally ultra laser focused on them, okay, which they just never get from people. But you've also asked them that one key question, which which the way it's framed will actually help them to help you to help them, which they understand. And then you take on even deeper meaning to them. But again, whether whether they want to press you for more information about what you do, which is fine if it happens, but it probably won't. You make sure you get their contact information and you're going to follow up the next day with a personalized handwritten thank you note. Yep. Those are really, really important. 
And then you're going to, you know, continue to to create that relationship, whether it's connecting with them online, sending information that's value based to them, referring them to others, whatever you can, you know, and so forth. But in other words, what we do is we want to turn it around from a a an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's so interesting. I've gone to events and the goal has been to meet people and connect with them and not give out business cards. Maybe well, why would you do that? It's like, well, they're not going to, they're not going to think my business card anyhow. So I might as well learn about them and then connect with them. So I uh, don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to ask the question because this is what you're teaching. How many handwritten thank you notes do you get after you meet somebody at an event? So if you're in an event, not necessarily the speaker, but you're at an event and uh, you've shaken hands with somebody. Oh, I get how many th- handwritten thank you notes do I get? I yeah. get probably none. Yeah. I, it's I'm the one that sends them. Yeah, yeah. I, we've started when we started doing that. Uh, I actually had people phone. You, you'd think I had sent them a Starbucks card oh, or an Amazon card. That. Oh, after I send them the note, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get emails and phone calls yeah. and thank yous and everything. I'm saying about after the event, do no. people send it to me? No, Absolutely. No. Yeah, sorry. That was a two-part question. The one part was how many do you get? And then, yeah, the response after is like. Oh, yeah. yeah. And remember, people will often keep those on their desk. They'll tell others about this amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, here's another thing. When you meet someone on LinkedIn, you can still send them a handwritten personalized note <laughs> or on, on Twitter, or Facebook, wherever you're meeting them. So you don't have to stay on just one medium. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you want to be on email with them. You want to connect with them on the social media platforms, of course. But there's nothing like that handwritten thank you note that will make a real impression. And, and my suggestion is it be, you know, three and a half by eight and a half inches. So it fits right inside a number 10 envelope or however you want to do it, but it should be on 70 to 90 pound cardstock. So there's some substance to it, but it gets put in an envelope. You have your, you know, of course, name and contact information. You have your benefit statement and you make sure to have a small head and shoulders picture of you because people think in pictures you put it you you handwrite the note in blue ink and it can be something as simple as hi dave or hi mary thank you it was a pleasure meeting you at the so-and-so event if i can ever refer business your way i certainly will or it could be just something like you know uh, sounds like you're doing great work keep it up best regard you know something very simple number 10 envelope handwrite the name and address. Remember, you've got their business card. Uh, Again, like you said, if they ask you for yours, sure, you can give it to them, but realize yours is going to be thrown out at that person's earliest convenience. But you have theirs, so you have their contact information. And so you want to make sure to send that that note card, that put it in an envelope, hand hand address it in blue ink, and make sure to put a a hand stamp or an oversized commemorative stamp or a regular stamp, not a meter machine stamp. Yep. So that when they get it, it's from a friend, you know, they're going to open it. It's blue ink, it's hand stamped. And then immediately they see that, that note card, they see your picture. So the warm, fuzzy feelings come back, but then rather than you asking for something, no, you're simply saying, thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you. If I can refer business, ever refer business your way, I certainly will. So now you've just, you know, that's prime. Or if you, you're writing it after a after they maybe wrote a great article on LinkedIn that you really enjoyed. Sure, you commented on it, but maybe you send them a personalized handwritten note. Just another, you know, quick note to say how much I enjoyed your article. Five steps to blah, 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 blah. Found it, a, you know, whatever you want to say. 
That's that's brilliant. I mean, people are always looking for ways to connect and and like you said, to to give. So, you know, the cost of doing that and um, what I did is I just go to my local post office and I would ask them when they get commemorative stamps that come in mm-hmm. and I'd buy yeah. the, the craziest looking stamps so they stand out. Absolutely. So, you know, total cost all in, um, not including the, the few minutes it's going to take you to write it is what, 50 cents? Yeah, exactly. It's such a small investment. Now, you know, I mean, hey, write, you know, writing note, thank you notes is maybe something you don't want to take the time to do. And you certainly don't have to. I'll just say it is well, well worth that investment. Well, that's probably the some of the best advice I've heard in a really long time because I love direct mail. I love the, the you know, I mean, as much as I like being online and, and uh, earlier as we we're trying to get recording the technical challenges that we had online, I love meeting people face to face and there's nothing beats them opening their mailbox because they're getting sure. so much email and so little direct mail these days. Right, exactly. So where's the best place that people can reach you, learn more about you, your company, what you're doing? Uh, they could either go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com, or, or probably even better is uh, thegogiver.com. Berg.com is more the speaking site. Thegogiver.com has, you know, information on my books and all the other ancillary materials. Yep. And there's the uh, the link to your books and the the courses that you've got as well. Sure. Well, I just want to say thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and uh, connecting with us and sharing with your audience. You share some just super great information. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Well, there you go, listeners. There's uh, there is some really good value here. I've done what Bob is saying and I've got huge ROI. If you really want to stand out from the crowd, give back to other people. And it's as simple as posting a letter and saying, hey, it was great to meet you at fill in the blank. Really alert, you know, enjoyed learning about your company. So there you go. I'll make sure the show notes are transcribed and I'll make sure that uh, the links and the connections so you can hook up with Bob um, are in the show notes. So I just want to say thanks again for tuning in and we look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers, as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.